welcome or welcome back to a Practical Home Podcast. In this space, we discuss all things cottage witchery and home magic. So grab a coffee, get cozy, and stay for a while. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope that everybody had a great Ostara week. I, I really cannot believe how quickly the year is going by. I can't believe we're already at the end of April, or excuse me, not the end of April, we're at the end of March and getting ready to start April. It just, it just feels like before we know it, it's going to be the end of the year. I, I feel like, you know, we say that every year that the years are just going by faster and faster, but they're really, they're really accelerating. I don't know if it's the older that I'm getting the older that my kids are getting. I don't know what the trigger is, but I just, uh, I wish things would slow down a little bit. So I have a lot that I want to talk about today. I want to kind of jump right into it and we'll start with updates for the cottage and for the garden. So spring has definitely started to, to pop up around here where I live. My greenhouse has actually been maintaining really good normal temperatures without the use of the heater. So I've been really excited about that. That means that we can start moving plants out there sooner. I have some house plants I'm going to take out there and I can't wait to help them thrive. That's going to be really exciting. We have had a bit of rain as well lately. It's pretty dreary out today, but I love that weather, so I'm okay with it. But that's definitely influenced the amount of green that we've had. Just green everywhere. No real... Thinking here, no real flowers that I've noticed in my area. It's it's still a little bit too early for us. We have irises that grow in our backyard, and we can see the stems popping up, but no flowers yet. It's going to be a while before we get that. But I'm enjoying seeing the green. Is there some color coming back to the world? Guess what? We still don't have that chicken coop put together. (laughs) We do have a plan for it, though. My husband told me yesterday we're going to have a good old fashioned, uh, what did he call it? A roost raisin. So it's, it's coming up this week. We had rain last week and it was really cold out. And so we weren't able to get everything done outside that we wanted to. And the week before that kind of fell apart with weather as well. But it's supposed to be pretty nice, at least on Saturday. So we're hoping to, to get that, that project started, if nothing else, but hopefully finished as well. I have to tell you a story about my garden area. Well, not really the garden area, just an outside story while we're giving updates. And my husband called me a squirrel squirrel whisperer the other day because we have squirrels, like everyone does, and we have this particular duo who are always harassing my dogs, and the dogs are harassing them. I mean, it's it's a mutual thing. But we have in one of our elm trees... We have a real big elm outside of my office window, and it has a little bowl that has formed where some of the branches have forked. And it's a pretty deep, good-sized bowl, actually using it, use it as an outdoor offering space. Well, the squirrels have decided that's their patio now. They go out there and they eat. It's fine. I have bird feeders around it, on that tree itself. And so I actually put food in that little bowl, and that's where I feed the squirrels. <laughs> The squirrels were clucking at my dogs the other day because they were barking at them. And I got my dogs inside and I was walking around, you know, probably picking up poop (laughs) as you do when you have dogs. And the squirrel was letting me get closer and closer. And I was just kind of, every time I went by, I was getting a little bit of bird seed or whatever I had and I was just putting it in there. And the squirrel was letting me get really, really close. And I thought to myself, 
I'm going to get this squirrel to eat out of my hand. I'm, I'm, it didn't, spoiler alert, it did not happen, but I'm getting really close. I think that I can accomplish this. So when I went to college, we had squirrels that, you know, for generations were very used to the people on campus. And it was really common for us to feed squirrels out of our hand in uh, just like walking around the quad. And I mean, I'm not saying it's like a great practice. We should not be snatching squirrels and hand feeding them. But um, it really reminded me of that. I just kind of wanted to relive that moment where I would hand them a little snack. And I just, I feel like he's looking at me now out the window. I feel like we're going to be friends. And I, I, I think I'm going to become a full-on squirrel whisperer in addition to being a full bird lady. Inside the cottage, we haven't been doing a whole lot. I recently purchased a few new Oracle and Tarot decks, and I posted about that on Instagram that I was cleaning up my altar area and reorganizing that space. I also plan to do an episode in the future on Oracle and Tarot. And so, you know, I'm considering these purchases as field research, <laughs> but I, I struggled for a while with some of the decks in my collection, not all, um, but some of them where I initially loved them when I bought them. And then I just really didn't feel like I had a strong connection after a while. And I never used them and they just sat there. So like everything else in my, in my collection, whether it be my cookbooks, my garden books, my witchy books, whatever it might be, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing some purges and some curating. And so, of course, the decks are no exception. But the ones that I picked up recently, I'm really, really excited about. And in the last episode, I talked about a few decks that I had pre-ordered that I'm getting later in the year. So I, it's just, this is the year for Oracle and Tarot deck for me. I have been also reading a lot lately. I've gone through a couple of books. I initially set a reading goal this year of 15 books because the last couple of years I've had a baby <laughs> and I'm not having a baby this year, but the last couple of years I have. And where I normally was striving to hit 30 to 50 books a year, I was only really achieving like 10 at the most. And so I set a 15 book goal for myself and I'm already on book 18. So I've decided to, since we're in March still at the very end, I think I'm going to increase that goal to 50 and see if I can hit 50 by the end of the year. So um, recently, I don't remember if I talked about this or not. Recently, I picked up the book Wild Witchcraft from the library. That's actually the book that I'm starting tonight. I have only thumbed through it a bit. I've not started reading it. So far, what I've seen just in looking at it, I I like the topics. I, I like what I'm seeing so far. So I will let you know if I think it's a good read or not. I think a lot of people really like it. It's a beautiful cover. I've heard a lot of good things, so I'm excited to start it. I've also been listening to a new playlist. Um, I've seen this on Instagram and I've heard it through podcasts and YouTube lately, the medieval lo-fi. I genuinely like it. And I've been listening to it a lot when I'm cleaning or cooking or just trying to settle myself. And um, I really like it. So I'm, I'm glad to add that to my rotation. I normally am like a coffee house lo-fi kind of, kind of person. I like listening to that at work. And, um, so I, I've been really liking medieval. It's been very fun. I have been watching a few new YouTube channels lately. I've been watching Cedar Moon. Um, their podcast is the witch's haunt. 
and the YouTube channel is Cedar Moon. I've also been watching The Wholesome Witch and um, Nature Live Camera, which is a live stream wilderness camera from Denmark. And they have badgers. And I'm obsessed with that live stream because I have only ever seen badgers in like a wildlife park. I've never, we don't, I don't, do we have badgers? I'm in the Midwest. Do we have badgers in this country? I have no idea off the top of my head. I've never encountered, nor would I ever know where to find a badger. Surely there's badgers in this country. I don't know. But um, not around here. Definitely. You want a bobcat? I can find you one. But I cannot figure out where I would get a badger. So I really enjoy it. They have all kinds of fun little critters that come by. But there's a family of badgers, I'm guessing, that um, come by pretty much every night and and drink and eat. And so I really like that. I like having it on in the background. And there's a time difference because they're in Denmark. So it's evening or nighttime for them when it's like early evening for me. So um, I can have that as like an after dinner thing and watch that. So here we sit in our moon cycle, racing towards that next full moon in April, the pink moon. It's going to be April 5th, 2023, and it's going to be in Libra this year. So Libra rules our relationships. I'm not an astrology buff, so I'm not going to go into heavy details, but that's just kind of the, the notes that I make for my practice. So this full moon period. I'm actually going to be working on a couple of different things. And the main, the main working that I'm going to be doing is a communications candle for my house. So this is a great time for working on relationships. And I feel like communication can probably always be better in my household. It's not bad, but I, there are times where I, I wish we could just say what we mean. So uh, I'm working on a candle spell that I'll have for that, um, for that full moon night. So I'm going to be using yellow candle spell. I'm going to be dressing it up in um, grapeseed oil. And then I'm going to be rolling it in baby's breath and clover for a, a light, gentle communication flow. I like to use clover dandelion baby breath for my communication correspondences. In addition to having the candle spell going on in the center of my home, I'm also going to put sachets of baby's breath and dandelion and clover throughout the rooms of my house, just to kind of be like a channel for that positive communication, that gentle communication around the home and, and, um, and, really bring that whole spell all together. That's the main piece that I'm working on. I'm also going to be feeding my money bowl on the full moon as I do every full moon. And I'm going to be doing some prosperity working because we have a few financial changes in our house. My husband started his own business recently. He's interested in transitioning careers. I've got some side hustles. And so we're just, you know, wanting to have some general prosperity work for that and um, some, some additional money working in addition to our normal money bowl that we have. So if you're looking to per- put together a working for this full moon, focus on relationships, professional or personal. Look at improving communications, improving understanding, strengthening bonds, and 
And I think that will be a great cycle for you. Okay, let's jump into the Oracle draw for this period. So today I'm going to be using the Cottage Witch Oracle, which is from Cottage Witch Wares on Instagram and Etsy. And then, or excuse me, a Crochet, Crochet Witch Wares on Instagram and Etsy. And then Crochet Witch Tarot on YouTube. Yeah, I had to write that down so I didn't get it confused. I picked up this deck recently. It was a pre-order that I had. I really love it. Um, I really connected with it. The The vibe of it is great. It's aesthetically beautiful. And I really love this Oracle deck so far. So this is one of the first of like the new decks that I received. And I'm really, really, really enjoying it. So we'll do a card from this deck. Okay, I turned off the audio while I was shuffling since it was getting a little noisy. But the card that I pulled is the Groundhog card for destruction. And I have the um, guide up here. So it says, there's a groundhog that lives under part of our house. (laughs) (laughs) I should have read this before. That's funny. Okay. I don't know why I find this so funny. There's a groundhog that lives under a part of our house who I've named Gus. (laughs) I don't know why I find that so funny. Oh, Gus the groundhog. Gus is a master of destruction, turns out. His favorite thing to do is chew on the wood of of beams that definitely seem like important ones to keep intact. (laughs) Um, And then the rest of the card goes on to say, have you been working away at something that may not actually be in your best interest? Or maybe something around you is testing the soundness of the structures you've created to support all that is you. Either way, it's time you extract yourself from this negative loop. That is a fantastic card for this period. I I feel like that really resonates with me. I just wasn't expecting that fun blurb about Gus the Groundhog. (laughs) Oh, it's cute. The the art is so cute. The Groundhog is precious. Um, But excellent, excellent message for the next couple of weeks. Jumping into the main portion of this episode, as I've talked about many times recently, I keep chatting about the birds that I'm watching outside of my house, how I'm trying to familiarize myself with the local birds, that I've been taking care of them. And that got me wondering how I can, a different way that I can incorporate this hobby that I've been forming into my spiritual practice. There's always feather collecting, different things that you can do to, you know, to use um, as runes or, or something like that. But I remembered that ornithomancy was um, something, or augury, as it's sometimes called, that I that I've learned about, and I've gone down this rabbit hole of understanding ornithomancy and different aspects of it, and how I can use that in my own divination practice. So ornithomancy is taking omens from the flight or cries of birds. Essentially, it's bird divination. It's an ancient Greek practice. It's very similar to augury uh, as practiced by the ancient Romans and a couple different other cultures. The word augury, as it's usually used, is either derived from Old French, as I've seen it written in a couple different sources, um, which I'm not sure if Old French is the same as Ossetan or if it's different. 
uh, or Latin. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce either one of those originating words, but um, both of those words mean the interpretation of omens. So I have been researching this and pulling some information together. Some I found from Wikipedia, some from Encyclopedia Britannica, a couple other encyclopedia sites. Um, There's also a book, Bird Magic, by Sandra Kynes that I have um, used in my research and pulled a lot of information from. So across many ancient cultures, the practice of augury or ornithomancy was um, typically performed by an oracle or a priest or priestess of some kind, and that individual would dedicate their lives to studying the flight patterns and formations of birds, the normal bird sounds and their distress signals, colors, feather patterns, all those things. A bird appearing in their natural habitat meant something, and same similarly, if a bird appeared in an unexpected place, it meant something different. Obviously, the more out of place the bird or its behavior was, it was either enti- uh, interpreted as a more ominous message or a more positive message. So in modern practice, it's, it's doubtful that anyone is making major life decisions <laughs> based on the flight pattern of birds. But that doesn't mean that we can't still utilize birds to interpret meanings that we're receiving from the divine. And it also helps us connect to uh, our birds that we have local to us. And there's a plethora of legends out there that I have seen about birds and the messages that they deliver. And it's, um, it's often the occupation of birds in mythology, delivering messages, delivering omens, whatever it might be. Interpreting the meaning of seeing specific birds really depends on the culture that you're pulling from. There there are a lot of similarities, but also very vast differences. For example, some cultures really fear crows as an omen of death, and others think that crows are a positive change, and they're, and they're, a, good, they're a good omen. So I really love the idea of this divination in practice for a couple of reasons. One, it's free. There's literally no cost associated with looking outside of your window or going outside and looking at birds and finding meaning in them that means something to you. No extra tools are required. And I I really like that that no cost aspect. It's also very accessible. While uh, birds are very different across different countries, Pretty much everybody, everywhere has birds of some kind, whether it be small birds or like geese, ducks, whatever it might be. So pretty much everyone has birds. So this is something that anyone could do. It can also be very personal um, because there's no one way to interpret birds. No culture agreed on it. And, you know, in, in any divination, it's very subject to interpretation. So you can make it your own. You can apply your own personal feelings about the birds to create different meanings if that suits you. For example, I don't have any issue with crows, but I'm very much afraid of large birds, <laughs> like like turkeys and ostriches and things like that. So they would they would be, you know, bad news if I saw them. It's also very soothing. So sitting and watching birds in your yard, laying outside, just staring up at the sky, seeing what flies overhead, it, it's a form of meditation. It will calm your mind and help you connect to your spiritual self. In my area, we have a number of birds that I've been keeping track of for a while, just as part of that bird watching hobby. I feed the birds. I have started visually following them as they've gone back to their nest to kind of see who lives in which tree, who who am I seeing around. 
And I've tried to pay attention to the specific bird breeds that are singing to me and what their, their sounds are so I can tell who's present at the bird feeder and who's not. So here's some of the guidance that I have been following as I've been trying to go through um, an actual have ornithomancy divination sessions. So some of this is, some of these interpretations are my feelings. Some of these are things I pulled from reference, but I want to start with cardinals. We have a lot of cardinals. I love cardinals. I think they're such beautiful birds. And um, one of my favorite interactions that I've ever had with a cardinal is the, like, at the exact same time that my husband and I were getting ready to leave to go have my son, because he was a plan C section. So we were getting ready to go to the hospital and we had left our back door into our garage open. And when we opened the door from the house to the garage, Cardinals, like three of them, had, had they were just in our garage. Birds don't usually fly in there, so it was kind of unusual. But a whole little grouping of cardinals had flown in, and they were chirping at us, and then they left. And I told my husband, "This is such good luck. They're they're blessing us with this." And I I was just I was so happy as we went to the hospital. And cardinals are often associated with luck. They can be considered good luck seeing one. They're also associated with love and fertility. So they're, they're commonly associated with romance. Some of that could be some color association because they're red, but they also typically mate for life. And many cultures consider them a symbol of uh, two, two people coming together and, and creating love in life. They're also a symbol of welcome visitors. So when I had mentioned to people that Cardinals had had flown into our garage when we were leaving, a couple of people actually said to me that, that it was a loved one checking on me as we were getting ready to have this, this new venture into our life. And that, that kind of interpretation really checks out across cultures. Many think that cardinals are symbolizing a visit from a loved one who has passed. Another bird that we have hanging around all the time are European starlings. And so I read this story <laughs> that I'm going to share. And I, full disclosure, I have seen many citations that this story is 100% true and many citations that this story is 100% false, but take it or leave it. So there's a, the legend that all European starlings that we have in the United States come from 100 birds that were set loose in Central Park in 1890. Um, by this man who, <laughs> who wanted to introduce all of the birds that Shakespeare mentioned into the United States. And it seems like it's been proven false, but like, how crazy is that story? <laughs> like, <laughs> if it's true and he's just like some madman who's just like, he loves Shakespeare so much, he's introducing all these birds. And it's like... I, I don't know. It's it's a 3 a.m. thought and this guy acted on it. If this is true, I love this story. And I it made me love European starlings so much when I was reading this. But starlings are often associated with letting go of things. Um, they're there to remind us to let go of baggage that we might be carting around with us. They're often interpreted as a, a new skill uh, as well. So starlings can be called on when you're trying to learn a new skill, particularly if it's a creative one. You can also find uh, a lot of associations with them for general inspiration for creative endeavors. 
And one that I really thought was interesting was confrontation, which makes sense when you look at bird behavior. Starlings have no issue getting in another bird's business. They're larger. We call them chickens. <laughs> but like we, um, we have a, a bunch of starlings in our area, a bunch of them, and they're huge and I feel like larger than the normal, uh, the normal starling. And so when my dad has them in his yard, he always hollers out that his chickens are here. So side note, but they are very aggressive, territorial at times. And so it makes sense that they would be symbolized, uh, they'd be a symbol of confrontation. We have a lot of chickadees as well. I love chickadees. They're so cute. They have such a pretty sound, a pretty song. And I really love seeing them around our bird feeder. So they're often associated with forecasting and different um, psychic, uh, psychic aspects. So chickadees are considered a bringer of news, whether it be good or bad. Some legends say that they can also tell the future. With their psychic connection, they're sometimes depicted um, as, as a link to our higher selves, especially when astral travel is involved. I thought that was pretty interesting. They're also often associated with success around the home and fearlessness for overcoming fear and finding strength in ourselves. We also have woodpeckers in our neighborhood, particularly downy woodpeckers, which are the smaller ones with the rounded heads, not with the big plumage in the back of their head. Woodpeckers, and I really resonate with this meaning, woodpeckers are often associated with focus. They're, they're telling us that we need to pay attention to something, whether it be rain on the way, something in our lives that we're not devoting enough attention to. I felt like that association made perfect sense. Woodpeckers are often very, you know, literally knocking on your trees or your sheds or your house, sometimes in your roof, um, as kind of a wake up call. Hello, is anybody there? Are you paying attention to this? So I thought that was a great association for woodpeckers. They're often symbolized with um, action as well. So starting a new project, a new cycle, some type of new activity. And they commonly symbolize divination, probably because of their Morse code-like nature. Um, a lot of cultures consider them a bringer of uh, prophecy or interpretation of prophecy. Where I live, we also have a lot of crows. And I often see crows hanging around. I don't mind crows. I think they're fun birds. I really like them. And as I read more and more about crows, it's just, they're just such an interesting bird in mythology in general. Um, but I, I really felt like, oh, this is so much like the devil card in tarot for me. Both make people very uncomfortable um, normally when they see them. Um, but if they're not if they're not familiar with them, that makes sense. But they're not really a bad omen. Um, crows are representing transformation. They symbolize transformation and change and adaptability. Um, they often symbolize crossroads as well when you're at a crossroads in your life. And I, I think in mythology and in most cultures, they're often commonly associated with different aspects of witchcraft, sometimes as a symbol of a witch themselves, sometimes a witch's pet or a witch's familiar or um, a, a, a spirit that delivers 
spells or prophecies from a witch, but they're just very often associated with it. And I really feel like that, um, maybe when you're seeing them, that can symbolize some type of assistance with a magical working, that maybe something's going to go well or something's going to go wrong with a working that you're performing. And of course, they're often associated with death, um, death and disease. Um, But just the more I read about them, the more I really felt like they just had a strong connection to the devil card in tarot. Blue jays are hanging around all the time. Blue jays are usually associated with strength and confidence. Makes a ton of sense if you've ever seen a blue jay. They're aggressive. They're protective. They definitely feel like they're the top bird no matter what. And and they'll take on smaller animals, dogs, doesn't matter. So they have a lot of confidence in themselves. They are very strong, very protective, very um, devoted to their, to their, their nests and their fellow birds as well. Something else I found out in my research that I thought was so interesting was the Blue Jays connection to the underworld. So I read in that bird magic book that um, they're often associated with astral travel and are connected to the Samhain holiday. And I never made that connection before, but I, I think, you know, I'll kind of tuck that knowledge away for later in the year. Um, but, and, you know, it went into some different aspects in the book about, about their connection with, um, with, psychic and astral travel, psychic awareness and astral travel. I just never really associated Blue Jays in that way before, but this has really made me look at Blue Jays in a different light and added an additional meaning to what they could symbolize when they pay me a visit or when I see them. Lastly, we often see morning doves around, and I typically associate those with two things, um, peace and harmony. Like That's the most often what I think about when I think of morning doves. And that seems to ring pretty true across different cultures and all the research that I found. They're usually associated with peace um, and other gentle emotions and hope um, as a sign of hope and reassurance. I thought that made a lot of sense based on how we use morning doves to represent things in our, you know, every culture, it seems. And um, they're, you know, their color association and when you see them, they're just they do kind of evoke that that gentle, peaceful uh, feeling when you do see them. So when you're completing a full reading for augury or ornithomancy, however you prefer to use the term, there are a couple other factors that you should include, not just the visual on, hey, there's a bird here and that's what this means. So it's important to look at the color of the birds. I think from what I have read, it is perfectly fine to use whatever color association you already use for color magic or candle magic or whatever it might be. It seems to be everybody just does kind of whatever they want when it comes to color interpretations. Cardinals are often associated with love, romance, sex, fire, um, because of their red color. Also pay attention to the number of birds. Is it a single bird or is it many birds? I've also often seen, ugh, I have often seen uh, in my research that you should just follow typical numerology if that makes the most sense for you for interpreting patterns of birds if you're seeing common numbers. Um, or if you already have numeric associations, 
then follow those and, and let that interpretation guide you. Is the bird in a normal location where you'd expect to see it? Is it very out of place? Is it normal to your region or super out of place for your region? Um, that could be good or bad. Uh, it can also be seen as incoming or outgoing, uh, receiving or delivering of messages, you, you know, whatever, um, whatever feels right in that divination moment. Also, the patterns of songs or their cause, <laughs> whatever that is. Um, is it a single bird constantly singing out your window or is it making distressed sounds? How often is it repeating that? You can count the number of the sounds to interpret that even further or focus on the way that the song makes you feel. Flight direction, if a, if a bird is flying in a certain direction, you can also use the commonly associated correspondences with that direction to help you interpret any message. Flight patterns as well, if a, birds, a group of birds are flying in a, a V or triangle formation, a spiral, are they all over the place and in a big cluster, that might have some, some bearing on your meaning as well. Also, the, the bird behavior that you're observing could and likely will change your interpretation of the message. Are they just sitting there? Are they looking? Are they looking at you directly? Are they fighting, squawking at another bird, attacking something? Also, are they alive or dead? There are a lot of omens um, that were interpret interpreted across cultures that have to do with finding dead birds or a series of dead birds and what those meanings mean. So I've largely been practicing, practicing this when I'm having my morning coffee or I'm taking like mid-morning coffee breaks at home. Um, I'll sit by the window where the feeders are, look out my office window where we have some additional feeders and just watch the birds for a while. I've been taking notes of the number of birds, the types that I'm seeing, um, which ones are lingering longer, sitting on the tree longer, sitting on another part of my backyard, versus which, which are the ones who are just here to eat. I'm not doing any interpretation on the ones who are, who are just gorging themselves on birdseed. I have been allowing myself to be in that mindset of, okay, I'm getting ready to go into a meeting and I've seen this bird or grouping of birds. And maybe this is what it means. I'm allowing myself to explore that so that um, I'm a bit more open-minded and, and knowledgeable if I maybe do see something that's very interesting that, that I can interpret. Um, so far, I've seen a few things, um, nothing major, but I have noticed a couple of birds that don't normally visit that I've been seeing recently. So that, that's something that I've been keeping track of. So if you try this practice out yourself, I really want to hear how it went and what you discovered about your local bird friends. We had a birthday party recently for my three-year-old. It was a really small affair, but it gave me the opportunity to talk about birthday magic. <laughs> and the history behind some of our birthday traditions. I read about some of this a while back, and I've really been dying for an opportunity to talk about it. So in some traditions, birthdays are really nothing but another day. In maybe another tradition, they're a way of marking the celebration of a cycle of life, a year of life. I like to try and think about birthdays as setting intentions for the next year, probably because I'm a goal-oriented person. 
But I remember seeing this fun post circulating pretty much all social media. I think I saw it maybe on Tumblr years ago initially. And it was um, talking about how blowing out candles on a birthday cake was witchcraft. And I remember when I saw that, I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And it, it just sounded like something I knew. I just, it made me wonder a couple of things. Where did I learn this? And are there other witchy things that are associated with birthdays? For the first question, this is a really ancient tradition um, and it's called out as witchcraft in a lot of media. So I don't think I could really pinpoint the first place that I learned that blowing out candles was considered witchcraft. Uh, it's just kind of been subtly taught to us over the years. But for the second question, I learned a lot. <laughs> like everything about birthdays is witchcraft. So I wanted to chat briefly about some birthday magic lore that I discovered Birthday cakes and candles uh, are mainly connected to an ancient Greek tradition that stems from dedications to Artemis. Artemis is the goddess of the moon and birth. Um, uh, Artemis is um, counterpart with Diana, if you're more familiar with Diana. And when they were performing these dedications, they would make a cake that was shaped like the moon. It was round and decorated like the moon as a tribute to Artemis. And they would put candles on the cake in order to symbolize moonlight. The cakes were typically taken to a sacred space or a temple where some type of ceremony or party basically was held. And they had wishes of successful crops, healthy livestock, births on their land or in their family, and they made those wishes on candles because it was believed that when they blew them out, the smoke would carry the wishes up to the heavens and up to Artemis where she would answer their prayers. I also read that the cake was sometimes given as an offering or sacrifice to ensure the, the success of the wishes, I guess. So even though ancient Greeks weren't wearing party hats or hooten noisemakers or whatever, they basically had the exact same structure of a birthday party that we still have today. And this year I was actually considering getting a uh, rectangle sheet cake for my kiddo. <laughs> and then I kind of reconsidered last minute and was like, I really want to get a moon cake for this special day. So I did a round cake and I... You know, I, I just, I love the idea, not only that there's this, in this culture, this ancient culture, there's this deeply religious and prayer oriented tra tradition connected to this kid's birthday party that we're having. Like it, it just really felt very connecting to ancestors and ancient ancient traditions. And I, I just thought that was so fun. I couldn't believe how many things we still perform today. We've definitely pulled on from ancient cultures specifically related to birthday parties. And I, I really don't know, <clears throat> excuse me, I really don't know what my kid wished for on their birthday candles, but I, you know, I pray to Artemis that, that they hear her desires and, and that she grants them for them. That is all for me this week. I hope that you have a beautiful start to April and 
that on the pink moon, your relationships are healed, you have everything you desire, and that you're ready to manifest more joy into your homes as we move into the warmer months of the year. We'll chat again soon. So until next time, bye-bye.